the children of the Force. Welcome to episode 54 of Children of the Force, a podcast about Star Wars by one adult and his two kids. I'm Al Nowatsky, the adult. I'm Anna, and I'm 10. I'm Liam, and I'm 7. Right. And we just ended We just ended uh, the most recent episode of Rebels. We just watched that, huh? What was uh, that called? Like Inner Man or something? Uh, an Inside Man, right. And we found out who that Inside Man was. We found out who... We found out who the new Fulcrum was. We're not going to say because this isn't is not a Reaction Core episode, but that was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, but this episode um, of Children of the Force is going to be our big catalyst, uh, Cliff's Notes. Do you guys know what Cliff's Notes are? Nope. They are like books that you can read that are short versions of long books, <laughs> and they tell you all the stuff you need to know from the book. All of the big stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's not like you're not reading a book, but you got all the characters, you got, you know, uh, the the most important plot points, the themes. Although, you know, this isn't going to be exactly like Cliff's Notes, but uh, I'm going to kind of go through and we're going to talk about the book Catalyst by James Lucino, which is a Rogue One prequel book, um, and and a lot of uh, like uh, Del Rey, the publisher, has said, you know, this is a must read before Rogue One. Well, of course they're going to say that, right? Because they're the one who. <laughs> They're the ones who uh, made the book, but, uh, but yeah, it is, um, a really good book. And I think, you know, a lot of people haven't read it. Some people have, um, but listen to this show and you'll kind of get the gist of what's in there and you'll be even more ready to go see Rogue One. Uh, so this is basically a whole episode of Canon News. So Anna, I was wondering if you could sing a new version Um, of the Canon News song. Take it away. The Catalyst new song, yeah. The Catalyst new song, yeah. 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 All right, and Liam, you wanted a you wanted a crack at it. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. Let's try. The Catalyst new song. We're going into Jenny's so story. We're gonna learn about it here, 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 here. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, that is a that's a new version of uh, of the Canon new song, uh, specifically for Catalyst. So nice. So uh, there's a, there's our podcast episodes out there from different podcasts, uh, that are discussing catalyst. And I just want to say up front that I haven't listened to any of them except for the Beltway Banthas show where they talked about it for about a half an hour. I just love Beltway Banthas and, and they did a really good job talking about Krennic and Tarkin and, and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, I haven't listened to any of the other ones because if I didn't want it to, catalyst, you're awesome. Oh, sure. But I didn't want it to influence our discussion just because, I don't know. I just want to have our own discussion. Uh, that said, if I repeat verbatim what other podcasters have said about this book, then it just means that I am part of the Star Wars hive mind. So, hive mind for the win. All right. So this book opens with an opening crawl. Catalyst opens with an opening crawl, and it goes like this. For years, I wish I could do the Clone Wars. Uh, the Clone Wars voice, but I can't. For years, the Clone Wars have raged across the galaxy. Countless worlds have been ensnared in the conflict between the Galactic Republic and the Separatist army led by the devious Sith Lord Count Dooku. While rumors spread that the Separatists are nearing completion of a superweapon, fear grips the Republic. 
In response, Supreme Chancellor Palpatine has tasked a secret team of researchers with perfecting a battle station for the Republic. The Death Star. So, quick correction, because I think there's actually kind of a misprint in this opening crawl. According to the book, the, the Death Star gets started, you know, it's, they start building it almost right after the first, uh, you know, the Battle of Geonosis. The very first battle of the Clone Wars. So, really, the Clone Wars have not been raging for years when Palpatine said, hey, let's build a Death Star. <laughs> um, it was pretty much right away. But right off the bat here, with this opening crawl, we get new information. We always knew that Palpatine was pulling the strings on both sides, right? We always knew that he was, he was the one behind the Separatists and the Republic, right? But we never knew that he told his secret team in the Republic that the Death Star was going to be in response to a supposed super separatist super weapon, a separatist separ weapon. <laughs> uh, so like he told this team, this, these secret people in the Republic that the separatists are building a super weapon and that we have to build one first. We have to get, we have to get the death star completed so we can, we can beat them before they beat us. Why would the Republic call it the death? Star. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a very good question. Death Star. <laughs> Death Star, Death. yeah, right. Death. So there were rumors of a Separatist superweapon out there. And who spread those? Probably someone that Palpatine influenced, right? Palpatine probably told someone to spread those. Probably Dooku himself, right? And Dooku knew about the Death Star, and he knew what it was for. He knew that it was, you know, he was in on that the whole time, right? Yeah. So here's how this is going to go. Uh, when I read Catalyst on my phone, I took many, many screenshots. I took almost 100 screenshots. Uh, and then I went through them all. And uh, today, I lost all of my show notes where I went through all these screenshots and compiled a very nice... Uh, oof, it was really... for some Somehow I copied every single file and then I pasted it, every file on my computer. Not just Word file, but every single file, and I pasted it into my Word document, and uh, and that was uh, people who are of a certain age know what it's like to have typed out papers in college, and then the computer would crash and you would lose everything. That's how I felt. I thought I lost everything, but this is a podcast built on hope, and my hope persevered, and I actually didn't lose everything. But I've been through... Yeah, Rogue One, you encouraged us to do this. You are awesome! Yep, yep. But I've been through a roller coaster in, like, the last ten minutes. Uh, depths and heights, and uh, and here we are. And we're gonna, you know... This is a podcast, isn't it? I podcast. Right? So, the show must go on. <laughs> so, so we're going to talk about the relevant and illuminating parts of this book as they pertain to Rogue One and also as they pertain to the galaxy in general, right? Just interesting things that, that it's good to know about the Star Wars galaxy and about the Ursos and about Krennic, right? And obviously, here's a spoiler warning for this episode. We will be discussing everything that happens in Catalyst, or at least many of the big things. So... If you want to read the book for yourself and you don't want to be spoiled, then don't listen. Otherwise, give it a listen. It doesn't spoil Rogue One. In fact, they suggest, uh, I think Lucasfilm wants people to read this book before they watch the movie. Uh, you don't have to, but they want you to. So, 
Here's your spoiler warning, but uh, just listen anyway. All right. So the book starts off with Lyra and Galen Urso working at a research facility on the planet Vault. The name of the planet is Vault, and it's a long way from the core. And this is less than a year after the Clone Wars broke out between the Republic and Separatists. Okay? So this is like during the Clone Wars television show. Okay? Think about it that way. Ahsoka is Anakin's Padawan at this time, right? So they're researching on this planet, they're researching energy. They're not researching weapons. They're, they're trying to get energy from a crystal that they grew. An artificial crystal modeled after a kyber crystal. So they, they basically grew a fake kyber crystal. And they're trying to like put lasers into it and stuff so that it creates more energy, right? So we have Lyra and Galen. Okay, Galen and Lyra are Jin Urso's mom and dad. Okay? Yes. Were they married at the time? They were married, and Lyra was pregnant with Jin at, when this book starts. Okay. Yep. So Lyra Urso is a no-nonsense woman who keeps her husband grounded. Right? She's kind of the, the, the sensible one. And she's pregnant with an almost-born Jin at this time. She's very pregnant when the book starts off. So Jin is about a year younger than the Clone Wars, right? She was born about a year into the Clone Wars. And Lyra believes that governments cannot make things perfect. That, that that's not what governments should try to do. Only the force is perfect. That's what Lyra believes. Her reverence, and this is from the book, quote, her reverence for the force evolved from an enduring love of nature. Also, quote, she embraced the order's philosophy of generosity, compassion, and peaceful resolution. And on a many far-flung world, she had experienced moments in nature that could only be described as transcendent. Even if she wasn't able to use the force, she could at least feel it. And she was content with that. I think I like Lyra. That transcendent means, like, like bigger than... Than, than, like, spiritual almost, right? You're transcending your experience. You're experiencing something you never experienced before, and maybe you shouldn't even be able to experience it, but you can. It transcends reality. She has felt that. She like can feel the Lyra force. Like in the Golden Compass. <laughs> like, like Lyra in the Golden Compass. Wait, yes. wait, what can she feel? The Golden Compass? Well, sure, I suppose when she's using the altheometer. I don't know. Anyway, yes, we're still reading his dark materials. So, Lyra and Lyra, although I think in the movie they pronounce it Lyra in the Golden Compass movie. I but like Lyra better. Yeah, me too. So, Galen, or so, is a genius who is awkward and strange as a result of his genius. He depends on Lyra to relate to others. He's a pacifist, like Lyra is. You guys remember what a pacifist is? Nope. A pacifist is someone who does does not want to have anything to do with violence they will not be violent and there are different kinds of pacifism there's there's like pure pacifism where someone's punching you and you won't fight back even like you're that pacifist there's also you know pacifism where you just only only fight if you have to defend sure, someone or yourself yeah you're and you're very anti-war you know you want to not fight right that's kind of what we are yeah, we sort of. I'm not super yeah. strong, unless I have to. Like, right. if I have to, yep. I'll do it. Yep. But Violence is, is something that is, at times, a necessity, but should be very, very rare. Right? Very, very we hope it's rare. Yeah. So he wants to stay out of the conflict, like Lyra. They know a war is going on, they want nothing to do with it. They don't work for the Republic, they work for a company called Zerpin, 
Zerpin is this energy company. That's what, that's who they work for. But the separatists come to vault and they make the vault people, the vaulty, they make them put Galen and Lyra in prison. And because they want Galen to work for them, work for the separatists, right? All right. So they're in prison and they're separated. They're in different prisons, right? Meanwhile, on Coruscant, Orson Krennic is part of a secret Republic organization known as the Strategic Advisory Cell. And this included people in the military and government, but also, you know, engineers and experimental physicists, you know, basically anyone who could help out with building the Death Star. A secret group of all the people you would need to do that, right? And the Jedi were not part of this group. They didn't even know about it. There were whole organizations that that were created to try to keep this a secret. And Krennic was part of that cell's... A cell is like a small group of people, right? Like a, uh, a secret group of people. Krennic was part of that cell's special weapons group. So we get to see a meeting of this strategic advisory cell, and they show that the Death Star is already under construction, less than a year after the Clone War starts. It's just a metal ring at that point. It's being built by machines at this point. Some of those machines are operated by beings who work in orbital command habitats, which, if you remember from that Rebels episode, where um, Zeb and Callus are stranded on that, that moon off of Geonosis, we see those orbital command things in orbit around Geonosis, don't we? Oh, yeah! Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? They're like half domes, kind of? Yeah. Yes, Anna. It's kind of funny how, like, a really, really kind of hot and sometimes deserty planet is has a moon that is a nice planet. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I wonder how that works. That's a good point. Well, that's that's true. Actually, Jupiter is is hot and it has an ice moon. True. Hmm. Interesting. So, (laughs) so yeah. Um. So we see those those orbital command things in the honorable ones is the name of that episode. Anyway, all the scientists in this special uh, weapons group and in the strategic advisory cell, they're all they all have no idea how to create this most powerful weapon that's going to go in the Death Star. Right? They know there's like a place for the weapon. They know they need to design this super powerful weapon. They have no idea how to do it. They're not, it's not just a bigger laser. They need to find a brand new way to do it. If it's going to be this powerful, as powerful as the emperor wants it to be, or at this time, the chancellor, right? And this is where Orson Krennic comes in because he has this old college friend named Galen Erso. And Galen knows a lot about harnessing enhanced power from crystals and he's super smart. So Krennic says, ah, this is how I can climb the ladder and become a super important person. That's all he wants. That's all he wants is to become part of the emperor's inner circle of super important people. And he, he thinks if I get Galen to join me on this, right. And to help me design this weapon, then I can be, I can become really important. Right. It's all about him. He is super selfish and very manipulative. So Krennic organizes it so that he rescues Galen and Lyra and Jin, who is born now from vault. And, uh, one of the, uh, and since Jin was born on vault, she is a vaulty since she was born on vault. That's her home planet. 
the planet she was born on. So he rescues he rescues them, by the way, by hiring a smuggler named Haas Obit. And he is a Dresselian. Do you guys know what a Dresselian is? No. Nope. They're like the, the prune face guys. Um, you see him in, you know, I should have got a photo here. Let me get, let me get a photo up here on, uh, Dressel, Dresselian. Those guys. Uh, so Haas Obit is a Dresselian, uh, also known as, as prune face. He's a smuggler more than a bounty hunter. Yeah. Um, what prune face? <laughs> well, in, in, uh, in a new hope, he, there's a Dresselian in the, uh, Cantina? Oh, actually, you know what? Is that Return of the Jedi? Oh, I'm trying to think now. <laughs> no, it's in the, um, when they're talking about how they're going to blow up the Death Star. Oh. There's a Dresselli in there. And, uh, and people have just called him Pruneface because they look like a, like a Pruneface. <laughs> um, Did they say like, hey, Pruneface, Well, you? no, I think like, um, like the action figure was, or people, I don't know exactly. I just, I know him as Pruneface. Anyway, um, so... So Haas Obit and uh, Krennic abduct a scientist that the Separatists want and trade that scientist, or I think a couple scientists, for the Ursos. So Krennic brings the Ursos back to Coruscant with him. Oh, but w He's while they're... so selfish, but, he puts... <sighs> I know. Right, and the reason, he, the way he got Haas Obit to agree to do this, because he didn't want anything to do with the, with, uh, the Republic, he's a smuggler, he doesn't want to be working with the government, is that he said, well, I know all the illegal stuff you do and I could put you in prison. So you have to do this with me. Wow. Yeah. I know that you deliver to separatist worlds in, in, in addition to Republic worlds, so you're going to work for me now, and whether you like it or not. So, Self. as they're flying away, by the way, when they rescue Jin, or when they rescue Jin, Galen, and Lyra, as they're flying away, Krennic tells them to bomb the planet. So all these Valti who they became friends with when they were researching there, a lot of them died because Wait, it's a so separatist. They did? Yeah, they bombed the planet. Yeah, Why? the the Republic did well, because it's a separatist-controlled world. Like well, they thought uh, that they had to do it, you know. But yeah, they didn't like that he did it. But he rescued them, right? So he can't be all bad. So when they're back on Coruscant, right, he just did that to gain their trust. Right. So <clears throat> he could become powerful. So, so the way that Krennic and Galen know each other is they met in the Futures Program, which is like this school for gifted people, right? Really smart people. Uh, I think it's a college, right? Where really smart people go to. And uh, I think this is kind of funny. So Galen, they, were, they weren't really like good friends, but they knew each other. In college, Galen had to be dragged to parties, right? So he didn't want to party. He wanted to work, right? But Orson's, quote, nocturnal carousing had become legendary in the program, which means Orson Krennic really liked to party late at night. He was a party animal in college, <laughs> which I think is just... Were you a just... party animal? <laughs> was I a party animal? No, no, I was not a party animal. Am I a party animal? Are you a party animal? Yeah, I'm know. probably a party animal. Do you like to party all the time? Party all the time? Party all the time? No? Maybe. Maybe. I like to party all the time, but sometimes every once in a while I like to stay up pretty late. Yeah, you like to party some of the time? Party some of the time? Sure. Okay. Someone in my class uh -huh. has a shirt, Yeah. and it says, I'm a party animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Orson Krennic uh, isn't now, but used to be a party animal. So, when they're back on Coruscant, Krennic does not ask Galen to design a weapon, because he knows better. He knows 
what kind of person Galen is. So he's not going to say, hey, we need a super weapon. Design it for me. He's trying to get Galen to kind of choose it on his own, right? But also the strategic advisory cell is really secret, right? Like he can't tell Galen about it, right? So he kind of has to sort of really sneakily try to convince Galen to do it without even asking him about it. So there's like this futures program reunion party, basically like a college reunion almost. And Orson thinks to himself that most of their old classmates would remember him as someone who always spoke out of turn. Someone who always spoke when they weren't supposed to. Who? Krennic. That's what Krennic thought his classmates would remember him as. Which is kind of interesting, because I think we probably see that in the Rogue One trailer when he's talking to Vader, right? Like, he doesn't know his place. He doesn't understand that he's not... (laughs) That he can't just yell at Vader about the power of this battle station, right? But also, not knowing your place, and sometimes, you know, talking to people... Um, is good, right? Like, it's good to just say what you want to say. You know? That whole knowing your place thing, knowing who's more important than you, that's not there's not really always a good thing, is it? But Krennic is very selfish, so... He's doing it for him, not for anybody else. Alright, so later on Coruscant, Galen has a meeting with Krennic. And there's some suspicion that, since Galen was prisoner on a Separatist world, that he may have made a deal with the Separatists, right? So, so Krennic says, maybe you're spying on the Republic right now. Maybe you're a Separatist, right? And Tarkin is in this book, and he talks with Galen about that also. And he even mentions that he, Tarkin, was held prisoner by Separatists too. And he was even tortured. Do you guys remember that, the Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Galen's imprisonment was easy by comparison, and Tarkin makes the same point to him that Krennic does. The war is going on, and we could really use any help you could give us. Nobody asks him specifically to build a weapon, but Galen probably suspects that that's what they're talking about, right? He probably knows, right? He's really smart. Yeah. So all Galen wants to do, the only thing he wants to do is research energy. He wants to find a way to make a bunch of sustainable energy in order to help people. So, you know, like we think about energy on our world as being like wind power and solar power. And then like, there's kind of, you know, non-sustainable forms of energy, like burning coal, or I don't know what it would be in the Star Wars universe, but, uh, you know, things like that, that can end up really polluting the atmosphere. Right. He wants to find a really sustainable, really clean way of producing a ton of energy which is why he's researching crystals based on kyber crystals, because he knows that if you focus energy, I mean, he, you can see a lightsaber, there's a ton of energy there, right? What if you could do that on a huge scale and, and power a whole planet with a huge kyber crystal? Right? He wants to help people. That's what Galen wants to do. So Krennic and Tarkin in this book, they do some great fighting, but they don't fight with fists and they don't even fight with words. They fight by manipulating events to make the other person look bad. It's actually really fun to watch. So like Krennic knows that Tarkin is on the short list of people who might lead the entire Death Star project. And the only way Krennic can stop that from happening and be the leader of the project himself is if he can get Galen Erso to design that weapon. So we'll see. They're like fighting over Galen then? Um, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they both know that, and they both know that they both want to be the one to take credit for the Death Star. But Turkin's already really... 
at this point, Tarkin is not as as Ooh. powerful as he is in A New Ooh, Hope. Right? Let me know they're what happens. They're both. He can't order Darth Vader to let someone down when he's when Darth Vader's first choking. Right, he's not quite there yet. That's true. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of going chronologically through the book here, and we'll see in a little bit how how uh, Krennic kind of pulls a fast one on Tarkin and tricks him, and then Tarkin tries to do the same thing to Krennic. So. So Krennic is is puzzled. I find this interesting. He's puzzled that Dooku hasn't attacked the construction site of the Death Star over Geonosis. He thinks to himself, Dooku, surely he knows that we're building this Death Star, and he could probably assume that it's over Geonosis. Why hasn't he attacked yet? Krennic doesn't doesn't get it. And and of course we know why he hasn't attacked, right? Because he's in on it. <laughs> he's working with Palpatine. Dooku, Palpatine would would not tell Dooku to attack the Death Star, right? So, but Krennic has no idea. So, you know, you got to remember, like, even Tarkin, right? Even Vader, I think, uh, doesn't know at this point. I mean, the, Vader isn't Vader yet. It's, he's Anakin. But, but Krennic and Tarkin have no idea at this point that the Emperor is playing both sides. I don't know if they ever figure it out. But the thinking was that Dooku was too busy working on his own version of a super weapon to worry about the, what the Republic was doing. So what happened was it became a race to see who could finish and use a super weapon first. Right? Who's going to be the first person to get this awesome weapon? That is smart. Because then Emperor <laughs> Palpatine would make them work super, right? super fast. Yeah, because we don't know. Dooku might have it already. Hurry up. Right? Right. Yeah. And He's too smart. Way too smart. <laughs> way, way, way too smart. It's a good motivator, though, right? Let's blow them up before they blow us up. I mean, this happened in our own world. There was a nuclear arms race, right, between the United States and Russia. When I was a kid, we called it the Cold War, you know, where, uh, well, that was kind of the result of the arms race, right? We both, you know, both countries were like, we wanted to get a bunch of nuclear weapons so that we could we could threaten to do this thing, even though we, we don't actually plan to use these bombs, right? And then Russia did the same thing. Yeah. So it has parallels in our real world. So they're on Coruscant. Lyra goes on a walk around Coruscant for like exercise and running. And she remembers how before they went to Vault, so this is before the Clone Wars, she would often sky cab to the Jedi Temple ground and exercise there, basking in the energy of that elegant site surrounded by a nexus of the Force. But then when the war started, the grounds were heavily patrolled and the atmosphere changed. And she thinks to herself, she asks herself a question of whether, quote, the war affected the Jedi's ability to feel the Force, end quote. Lyra Urso is wondering to herself whether or not the war affected the Jedi's ability to use the Force. That's a big question. And she's right. It did. You know, the, the, the rise of Palpatine clouded the Jedi's ability to use the Force. So that's amazing that she had that insight. She's really connected to the Force, I feel like, even though she can't use it. It's going to be awesome if she's in this movie. I don't think she's going to be in it much, Aww, but I think she's it's... She's going to be in it a little bit. She will be. saw her in the trailer, yeah. so she's th- almost positively going to be in it a little bit. I, I think it's good to know what kind of person Jin's mom was. I think that's more what, what we're learning here, right? exercising around Carissa. <laughs> yeah. She's just probably, running to go exercise. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. in the... Um, probably in the... Like, the past. I think it might be a flashback, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I think her it mom might be the first... gets captured, or 
killed. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All right. So Krennic gets Galen a job because they've just been hanging out on Coruscant with nothing to do. And Galen yeah. really wants to get back to work. They're so just hanging out in a hotel, taking showers and watching mm-hmm. movies, sitting on their comfy, cozy beds. Yeah, it sounds horrible, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, playing for Ga- Monopoly. Right. So. <laughs> Are they playing Star Wars Monopoly? Yeah. <laughs> so, we have that. <laughs> or so, just regular Monopoly. Ooh, playing regular Monopoly. That's their Star Wars Monopoly. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, their real world Monopoly is... Is Star Wars Monopoly. Yeah. Monopoly. <laughs> Monopoly so, and... But Galen is the kind of person who needs to have this... this this. He needs to work, right? We know people like that. I'm not one of those people, but Galen is. He needs to work. He needs to be always thinking. Um, so, so Krennic gets in this job and it's kind of a, kind of a dead end job, uh, basically working for like a cell phone company. <laughs> Not really, but that's how it feels. Uh, and, and it's on the planet Fukulpa, Fukulpa. Uh, and he hopes that Galen will get sick of it, I think, so that he'll finally agree to work with the Republic on something that's going to challenge him a little bit more. Right. But wouldn't you know it, the separatists attack Fukulpa too. And Galen, Lyra, and Jin are just about to be killed by battle droids. And Galen literally screams to the sky, Is there no escape from this madness? He looks up at the sky and screams it. And just like that, all the droids shut down. Like at the end of The Phantom Menace, they all just go... The war ends. That is the moment at which the war ends. What the heck? Yep. Three years after it started, The Clone Wars ends. Like that. Right when he showed up at the sky. Yep, yep. Okay, that is, is weird. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> Snap. A, All the bad are It's dead. a coincidence, or maybe it's the will of the force. Maybe. Who knows? Who so, knows? So the Clone Wars, so this is basically, right, the end of episode three, if you want to think of it in terms of what we've seen on what we have seen on screen. So the very next part in this book is that scene where Palpatine, who is now the Emperor, and Vader in his full Vader suit and Tarkin a little bit. He walks away, but Tarkin was there. They're looking out at the death star under construction at the end of revenge of the Sith. Remember? And we don't see what planet that death star is in orbit around in that shot, but we know for sure now that it is Geonosis. That death star is over Geonosis and that Krennic at that point is on one of those orbital command habitats. And he's super mad that he wasn't invited to the big show that he wasn't invited to hang out with Palpy and Vader. And Tarkin, this is a guy, Krennic, who wants to climb that ladder, right? And right now he's like, oh, Tarkin's there. I'm going to be there. I'm at the bottom of the ladder. Well, he's not at the bottom. He is climbing up, but he's not as high as he wants to be. And Tarkin is almost at the top. And well, Vader is almost at the top. Tarkin's and bottom. And Palpatine yep. is at the top. <laughs> right. Oh, and, and Krennic also thinks that Vader might not be any more formidable. That means, like, more of a threat than Masameda. He, he he underestimates Vader, Krennic does, which is not a good idea. Which we might see in Rogue One that uh, not working out so well for him. We'll see. <laughs> so now we are in the era of the Empire. And Krennic reaches out to the Ursos yet again. And this time he has the opportunity of a lifetime. That thing that Galen has always wanted to do. Create energy and cheap power to help out struggling worlds and help people. Well, guess what? Orson Krennic is here with good news. That's what the Emperor wants, too. Yeah. 
He says, the emperor has made reparations. That means like repairing and, and helping out, you know, uh, worlds that were damaged in the war and reconstruction a priority. And one way he hopes to achieve this is by being able to provide sustainable energy to worlds that have suffered on both sides of the conflict. I just suffer them more. Uh-huh. Destroy he them. says, he says this, this giving all this energy to, to planets and helping people out. That's, that's your dream as well as the emperor's Galen. Mm. Yep. Mm. And then, and then Krennic opens up this case that he has with him and it includes Kyber crystals in the case. They're probably taken from lightsabers, which is just kind of gross. But Lyra, she doesn't realize. She's excited to see them. She goes, are those? And then Krennic says, kyber crystals. And many, many more where these came from. In fact, now that the Jedi have been disbanded, the Empire has unrestricted access to worlds that for centuries were accessible only to the Order. Not just these small samples, but enormous crystals. Boulder-sized, I'm told. Even larger. So, huge kyber crystals. And, remember, I think I just told you guys about that passage from the Ahsoka novel where she goes and visits Ilum, or at least she sees Ilum from, from, uh, from orbit, you know, from outside, from space. Remember, Ilum is where they get their kyber crystals for their lightsabers in that youngling arc. Well, she sees, quote, great chunks have been carved away exposing rock and lava that boiled up from the planet's core. So they are, like, tearing that planet apart. Which possibly becomes Starkiller Base. But we're not sure. Because it's But they're tearing it apart for kyber crystals. So Jin runs over to these kyber crystals. She's probably about three years old at this point. And she says, I want one! And Lyra replies, maybe someday. Which, from the trailer, we saw... I think we saw Lyra giving Jin a kyber crystal necklace, which would be pretty awesome. So, let's take a moment to pause, cut your breath, see if you kids have any questions. Any questions yet about what, what this book has been so far? We're in the Empire now, but, you know, this is before the time of Rebels. This is early Empire, right? Kind of a time that we haven't seen on screen at all. All right, now... I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and imagine Coruscant, a city planet, right? It's all skyscrapers, streets, and, but there's this really big green square, three miles wide by three miles wide, right? And this is the Ba'ankor Refuge. The Ba'ankor are sentient ruminants, like cows or giraffes or sheep, right? But in Star Wars, when they say sentient, they mean human-like, right? So the Bonkors are like, you know, mammals who eat grass, but can hold a conversation like a human, right? <laughs> oh, um, when I say sentient they're, in our world, wait, I do mean... do they look like humans? Uh, no, I don't think so. Do they look like cows? Maybe they're like sentient cows, like cows who can... Talk. Well, sure, but cows talk when they say moo. But so when I when I say sentient in our world, I'm talking about any living animal who can think, right? Who has thoughts and maybe like can feel cats. pain and stuff like that. So right, which that means that animals but basically plants can't. Pl- right, plants don't feel pain and stuff. So, but but in Star Wars, when they say sentient, and in science fiction generally, when they say sentient, they mean human-like, right? Basically, just humans who look different, kind of, right? So, 
So the Ba'ankor's planet was made unlivable when it collided with a meteor. So an older chancellor of the Republic said that they could live in this area, and it was made into this really nice, nice refuge for the Ba'ankor. Isn't that nice? Like this really big green area, beautiful area. You know, the city kind of grows up around it, but there's this huge green chunk of land in the middle of Coruscant where these, these beans can just live peacefully. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and the grass yeah. probably grows. Like, the forest is probably over it, so the grass always yeah. grows. Isn't that nice? So they always have, like, grass to eat. Yeah. And they can run around, and there's probably shade and mm -hmm. water. There is, yeah, lakes. Probably better than farms. Yep. Well, once the Clone Wars ended, those 10,000 Baankor were removed from the refuge, from Coruscant, <gasps> and from the core itself, <sighs> and were made to live on a dying world in the mid-rim. And then the Empire bulldozed almost all of the refuge and made landing pads and air control stations and surveillance towers in its place. Wow, nice shot, yeah. Empire. Good, nice good work, shot. Empire. I want to scream. <laughs> they I also hit them. I know. I, I know. Hit, 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 They also built a research facility for Galen Erso to study the large kyber crystal that the Empire has. Well, and that was unuseful. Mm -hmm. The project is called Project Celestial Power. Celestial means like of the stars, right? So, so they have this whole facility set up for Galen Erso to work on his energy project, right? Uh, wink, Waste wink, shrug, of shrug. time. So, so Galen Erso asks, "Where did this kyber crystal come from?" And uh, someone he works with said, "The crystal was apparently found on an outer rim world where the Jedi had placed it for safekeeping." I really want to know what world that is. Uh, I thought maybe it was Lothal, which is why we watched <laughs> that episode of Rebels why. tonight. Uh, but it could have been some other it's world. It's one of the planets in, um, what's it called? Freemakers? Mm. Oh, you think? How Roland tries to find those uh, crystals? Those it's one there. of those. Oh. Hmm. Maybe. It could be. So, but then they also said that, uh, it may have been the Order's property originally, but the Jedi are said to have seized the crystal from a criminal group that was preparing to sell it to the Separatists. Which, this is part of the the uh, the Clone Wars, um, the the arc that they released on YouTube that wasn't finished. Oh, Remember the in, it's the in the Utapau arc. The, there's we these criminals. No, you haven't. I wanted to watch those with you. You guys, you guys said that you didn't want to watch them because they weren't finished. But it has all the voice acting in it, and, and it's good stories. Um, but Obi Wan and Anakin are trying to stop this sh this shipment of this huge kyber crystal, and and these criminals are going to give it to Grievous, right? But Obi Wan and Anakin stop them, and they get the crystal, and they keep it. They have, they keep it safe, on some outer rim world, I guess. And that's the crystal that Galen Erso is, is working on and experimenting on and trying to figure out how to create a bunch of energy with this crystal. So Galen works with this huge kyber crystal and he develops insomnia. Do you guys know this? Nope. Where you can't sleep. He can't sleep. It's like the crystal is affecting him, right? He, he, he thinks about it. He feels like the crystal is, is affecting him. And my theory is that maybe it's the force trying to warn him to stay away from it. Or, or, but then he gets obsessed with the crystal, right? He thinks about it all the time. Yeah. So meanwhile, Tarkin knows that the construction of the Death Star is really difficult, right? He knows that this is being built. There's a bunch of problems with building the Death Star. So he's letting Krennic do all that dirty work. 
to make Krennic look bad, kind of, right? Until the proper time comes when Tarkin can swoop in and somehow take control once it's almost done. That's his plan. And we might see that swooping in Rogue One, right? Because we don't see it in this book. We don't see that happen in this book. But Tarkin... Was he done with the book? Oh, yeah. Oh. Tarkin does think about asking Vader to keep an eye on Krennic, though. So maybe that's why we see Vader in Rogue One. He's keeping Krennic in line until Tarkin can take over. Maybe. So he's in line with Tarkin. Vader and Tarkin working together? Yeah. I, I think so. I think that's what we're going to see. Do you think we'll see Tarkin in Rogue One? Yes. I think we will, too. Some people say we already saw him. Mm. The back of his head. I don't think that's I think, him. I think we might have, actually. I think we might have. Really? Yeah. I do think so. All right, so back to Hass Obit, remember? This guy who works for Krennic because he has to. So he delivers weapons to these worlds that are called legacy worlds. They're like um, like national parks, right? They're protected, right? So what he does, though, is he delivers these weapons, even though they don't know that he's doing it, the people on these worlds. And then, because he's working for Krennic, Krennic has him do this. And then the Empire comes, and they find the weapons. Oh, and they say, oh. You're not supposed to have weapons here. We're going to take over now, and we're going to mine your world and destroy it. Well, that's just mean. Yeah. Yeah. Krennic is just the worst. <laughs> so, so uh... Has, Hasobit does it, does this stuff for Krennic, and uh, he feels horrible about it. Um, he does it on two different planets uh, called Samofar and Wadi Rafa. <laughs> so, Krennic, Krennic also has... Krennic also has Hass, which is like, it looks like has has, which is funny. Krennic also has Hass take Lyra Urso to a planet in order to search for kyber crystals. He wants to give her something to do so that she doesn't worry about Galen, right? And, uh, and Hass Obit gets to know Lyra and Jin, who actually comes with. He actually babysits Jin while Lyra's going off and searching for crystals, which I think is adorable. And he shows he shows Lyra the way that the Empire has exploited these other planets, like Wadi Rafa and Samovar. And he takes them to uh, Samovar, I think? Uh, he takes them to see it. He takes Lyra there to see the destruction. And they're supposed to be protected, and she can't understand, right? And she realizes that the Empire is doing horrible things. She didn't realize that yet. Now she knows. And it's Jin around... Jin or Lyra or both? Well, Lyra. Jin's pretty young still. She's only like three years old. But it's around this time that Hass Obit realizes that he wants to fight back too. He wants to fight. All right. So Krennic builds a facility like the one that Galen's working on on Coruscant. He builds another one on a planet called Malpaz. Except that at this place, they're taking all of Galen's research, right? And weaponizing it and trying to figure out how to make it into a weapon. And there's a huge explosion because of that. 10,000 people on this planet die because of this explosion. And Krennic hears this and he says, who can we blame? What? As if, as if the blame isn't his, right? He is just the worst. He's so, he's ruthless. Oh, I know. I'm being really mean right now. Let's play me and put me in prison. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Like, no right. one would ever prison. do that. I right. wouldn't do it. I would confess, but I would say I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> I'm I, so sorry about those 10,000 people. I, if you want to put me in prison, you can. 
You absolutely can. It serves me right. And I right. really don't want to. Yeah. So. Uh, so. But I would never do that. So I don't even need to think about it. Right. Right. I would hope not. Daddy. <laughs> really? <laughs> like I would actually ever do that. So. What do we think about it? Like so. Just said, but right. So, um, so Lyra is starting to get concerned about Galen's research now, right? Not, not just because Galen's not sleeping and acting weird and ignoring his family, right? He seems almost like he's possessed by the kyber crystal. At one point he even says, who knows, one day we may even get to the root of the force itself. And Lyra, who is a believer and follower of the force is disturbed by that, right? Uh, she, she is, uh, a believer in this mysticism of the force. Right. And when people believe in things like spiritual things, when someone says, we're going to explain this with science, they don't like that. Right. A lot of people are like, no, that's not how spirituality works. You can't get to the root of it with science. Right. But also because she's seen what the empire is doing to these planets. That's also like, she's like, I don't know if you should be working on this, you know, but she can't really talk to him about it too much because he's under, uh, this, this secrecy oath. He can't talk to her about his work because he's part of this secret group, right? And she knows that. So they kind of can't talk about it. He also says about the Kyber crystal, he says the internal structure is unlike anything I've seen. It's almost a bridge between organic and inorganic. So like life and non-life as close to alive as a stone can be, which I suspect is why the Jedi were able to interact with Kybers through the force. We don't have that option, so science will have to substitute. But it's almost as if the crystals evade our attempts to investigate their properties on a quantum level. They flee from our efforts to analyze them. So like the crystal fights back almost against him trying to understand the crystal. Isn't that weird? weird. It's kind of cool though. Like the crystal really seems like it's alive. It or the is. force the force acts through the crystal. So maybe the crystal's not alive, but the force, the force is and the force really has a special relationship with those crystals right like the crystal is the force right yeah yeah the crystal is yeah in in the physical like non-organic world the crystal is where the force lives kind of the force lives in all living things and kyber crystals maybe right i don't know so lyra is convinced so lyra is convinced that they need to get out of there Basically, she's like, they, she doesn't want to be there anymore. She doesn't want Galen to work there anymore. And Krennic knows that Lyra is having these second thoughts and he worries that she's going to tell Galen about the destruction that she saw on Samovar. So Krennic takes Galen out to see some destruction for himself. He goes and shows him that facility that blew up when they were trying to weaponize his research. Right. You know who he blames it on? Anarchists. You know what an anarchist is? Nope. Someone who doesn't really uh, believe in, like, big government. And they also don't want people who own companies to control their workers, right? They want everybody to kind of be equal. Um, but anarchists are, uh, like, we know, like, I know anarchists. <laughs> like they're, they're not like, um, you know, they're, a lot of times people think anarchists are people who want to just go destroy everything. That's not true. But, uh, but that's how Krennic is kind of framing this what he means is the rebels basically although they, they're not calling them rebels yet right but he's saying that this huge all this destruction is because rebels bombed the place 
What the heck? He says that the emperor. Yeah, I know. Ha. And he's and he's telling ha. this to Galen. He says that the emperor needs a really powerful power generator, right? This really, you know, powerful energy thing so that he can make an example of one world. And here, Krennic skates so close to the truth. Like he is, he's so close to telling Galen the actual truth, right? That it's hard to understand how Galen can't see it. Because Krennic is talking about making an example of a world by using the energy generating Kyber to power a world, right? He's saying the Emperor wants to show people how awesome he is, that he can give all this energy to a world, right? So let's hurry up and do that. And don't worry about how much power you're creating. Create as much as you can. But right? doesn't he want that? Doesn't who want it, Krennic? No. Galen? Yeah. Yes, Yes, that's what Galen wants too. But of course, what the Emperor actually wants is not to give so much power to a world. He wants to blow up a world. He wants to make an example of a world by blowing it up. So, so like that's the one part that Krennic doesn't say. He tells him the truth except for that part. That it's actually he wants to blow up a world, not give a world power, right? Wow. Yeah. And then he said, why you know, so why so selfish, Krennic? Why so why selfish? Why so selfish, right? Maybe so then, he's brought up in a family that's selfish. <laughs> that could be. So that way, if if this if a world got all this energy, then the rest of the galaxy could see how how great the empire is, right? And the anarchists won't have any argument anymore, right? No one will join their cause. Of course, we know what the plan actually is, right? To rule by fear, not by generosity. Although I wonder, like. What would happen if the Emperor actually did that? Wouldn't it have been better to do that thing that Krennic was talking about and actually powering a planet and, and not blowing one up? You know? True. But the Emperor rules by fear, and I think the dark side is kind of fueled by that fear. The dark side is stronger when people are afraid. So maybe that's why the Emperor wants to build the Death Star, right? He needs that fear. So the reason that Galen... He, he knows how to get energy out of the kyber crystal, but he doesn't know how to contain it, right? He knows he can get pure, this huge burst of energy to come out of it, but how could he get that to power, you know, light bulbs, right? How can he put that in a container and then use that energy to power a planet? And Galen says, no, don't worry. Not Galen, I mean, Orson says, don't worry about that. I'll have people figure that out. You figure just out. figure out how to, how to turn that into electricity basically right to power a planet he's like oh don't worry about that i'll have other scientists figure that out you just worry about getting as much power out of those crystals as you can he's totally tricking him right and galen falls for it he must feel really bad when he figure finally figures it out he does <laughs> he does all right so back to Hass obit the Dresselian. he's had enough of being ordered around by krennic right and being used to help the Empire take over worlds. So he gets together with people who feel the same way, including Saw Gerrera. And they decide, right, they decide to lay a trap for the Empire who thinks they're laying a trap. The Empire thinks they're laying a trap for the planet, right? The planet's salient. But but Saw and, and Hass are getting people together, and they're going to lay a trap on the trap layers, right? Hass is tube guy. Hass is Pruneface. Prune, no, no, yeah, Pruneface, mm -hmm. but he turns into that... Oh, Edrio Tutubes? Edrio Tutubes. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Edrio Tutubes is a new a new species, yeah. And Benthic, his egg mate. Yeah. I don't know. Is I, I, like I don't know if we'll see... Hmm? Is Eggmate oh, like I'm a, assuming, yeah. Like <laughs> right. Like a demon. 
<laughs> no, like they're maybe like a sibling. In, like yeah, us they, do our egg mates. They were they were both eggs in the same nest or something, yeah. So the thing is, Krennic knows that Hass is feeling this way about the Empire. He knows that Hass will probably try to lay this trap. And he knows, Krennic knows, that Tarkin is the one commanding the fleet that will take over this planet where Hass is gonna oh. deliver the weapons. So so Krennic is like, yeah, sure. You guys go for it, you know? You go, Tarkin. You go, Hass, and fight it out. And he's going to kill two birds with one stone, right? Maybe Hass will die. Maybe Tarkin will die. Either way, Tarkin will get into this big, huge fight over this planet, and that's not what he was expecting. And it'll keep Tarkin busy while Krennic can keep working on the Death Star, right? It keeps Tarkin busy for weeks. Smart. We for know weeks. Guys, In the salient system, Tarkin gets, gets busy fighting for weeks many imperial casualties right and it does really make him look bad at least to masameda who tarkin thinks might be working directly with krennic to make him look bad that's what tarkin thinks so everybody's thinking oh this person's trying to make me look bad this person's trying to make me look bad that's how the empires run it's a horrible horrible empire who dies liam we, you said we know he dies though you we mean tarkin who dies we know who dies. Oh, well, we, we assume. Either. In, in four, Tarkin's left. Is that what you're saying? Pass. Yeah. Oh, mm. it dies. Mm. Or they never finish it off. Isn't this. This is between three, three and. Yeah, that's right. I wonder if we'll see Masameda in Rogue One. That'd be kind of cool. That would I hope be so. Cool. Maybe, is it, maybe is just it as hologram. The blue whore? Yeah, yeah. Yep. The chagrin. Yep. Chagrin. So. Back on Coruscant, Krennic pays Lyra a visit at the playground, of all places. Yeah, she's like hanging out with Jen at the playground, and Krennic is like, oh, hi. <laughs> Super creepy. The playground? Like, Jen, yeah, there's playgrounds on Coruscant. Playground? Yeah, yeah. Of course, there's kids. Is Jen going to play guy. on it? Yeah, she goes on the swings and stuff. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that I mean, must be adorable. <laughs> they're, they're X-wings, but she's on the swings. They're so, actually called X-Wings. No, no. Remember that was a joke? What kind of... What, what does Luke like to do on the playground? Oh, right. X-Wing. Yeah. All right. So, so, but Krennic tells Lyra that if she continues to interfere in Galen's work, because by this point, she's kind of starting to tell Galen that she has some concerns about the Empire, right? If she continues to do that, it could, quote, result in difficulties for you and your family. He threatens her. It's the rotten, rotten person. But by this point, Galen is starting to already suspect that the Empire and the Emperor and Krennic are not the Mr. Nice Guys that he <laughs> thought they were. And he finds out that some materials that are mined on remote systems of the Western Reaches, maybe Jakku, are sort of just disappearing. Right? He's like, where do they go? There's no... When he looks at the system, the computer system, he can't see where they go. Well, they're going to build the Death Star. He doesn't know anything about that. So he's thinking something secret is being built. And Krennic successfully, after some more research by Galen, he test fires a smaller version of the super laser into a black hole. He test fires it. And once he does this, he permanently imprisons or possibly kills all of the scientists working on the project uh, who, who knew about the weapon. Because he doesn't want any leaks, any leaks, and he wants to get all the credit. Right? So bye-bye. You're gone. It works. Thanks. I'm never going to oh, see you again. Wow, he's Yep. Selfish, mean. Yep. Creepy. So, meanwhile, Saw and Hass are still fighting against Tarkin, 
And they know that they can't win against the Empire, right? The Empire's huge. They're just some people on a planet. But they hope that they can inspire others to fight. And the people of Salient completely destroy their own world so that the Empire can't gain from it. They're like, we're not going to let the Empire take this world. We're going to actually destroy it. We're going to poison the well so you can't drink water out of it, right? Amazing, isn't it? And then they leave. They just leave their planet. And Tarkin, oh. Tarkin makes a joke. He says, I hope they took their pets. And About it turns out... What pets? Like, you know, I hope, I hope you, they didn't leave their pets behind. Yeah. What the heck? I know. And, and they did, actually, bring their pets with them, <laughs> thankfully. So, uh, and both Saw and Hass escape also, sort of. Saw escapes, but Hass gets captured. Oh. Uh, but Tarkin, Tarkin actually lets him go because he... Is trying to undermine Krennic. If he lets Hass go, then maybe Hass can go and try to talk to Krennic and get back into Krennic's good graces and then be Tarkin's spy. That was Tarkin's idea, right? Wow! Right? And that's how Hass convinces him to let him go. Of course, Hass is not going to do anything of the sort, but that's what Tarkin thinks. So Hass tricks him. Nice. Yeah. Trick Tarkin. I know. Whoa. Um, Tarkin and Krennic don't like each other right so right that's something to good to take away right if we see tarkin and krennic we know they are not they do not like each other if we see them in rogue one right oh you thought they'd be friends yeah yeah but two two evil people are usually mean to each other too (laughs) mean people aren't nice to each other they're mean to each other. <laughs> right. So, so Le- Lyra and Galen come to an understanding that the Empire has been using his research for a weapon. And Galen feels horrible about it. And they plan to run away. And as they're running through the streets of Coruscant to meet a ship that's going to be picking them up, Lyra asks, Will they have enough data to build a super weapon? And Galen shook his head, Not without me. Because they test-fired it, but they only test-fired, you know, putting the energy through one kyber crystal, right? So, the Death Star, we know, is powered by eight separate large kyber crystals that then come together to form one beam, right? That's how the Death Star works. And and Galen knows that with... little holes, and then all those things zoom a mm-hmm. bunch of little laser lights mm-hmm. things. Yep. Lightsaber sure. things. It's like a huge lightsaber, yeah. All come together, mm-hmm. and yep. this big light comes out of them and destroys the planet. Right. So that's ah, horrible. I know. So Galen says that without him, they won't they won't be able to finish that weapon. So we know why. You know, in the trailers, we're seeing Krennic. You know, another test coming up fire. to Galen. Right. Another test. Fire what you know, you see. Well, yeah, maybe another test fire. Right. Uh, on Jetta, possibly, yeah. So, he's, she says uh, she says back to him, You realize that he's never going to stop looking for you, Galen. You're in his blood. Crystal research or no, he's never going to let go of you entirely. And this is where, honestly, like, throughout this book, I've had this feeling, and I... I I mean, it's... They might not do anything with it in the movie, but I sure think that the... it's There's enough in this book for me to say that if Orson Krennic wanted to be romantically involved with anybody, it would be Galen or so. I'm pretty sure he has a crush on Galen. And, and 
he he talks to he talks about how he and Lyra have like battled for his affection, kind of, or like it's it's a battle between him and Lyra, and that's kind of how he he views it, right? So I feel like there's something there. We might not see any of that in the movie. I kind of hope we do a little bit, but that we would probably be, that would be kind of cool. It would be cool, actually. Like, yeah. cr- like imperial, she, like kind he's of all mean, and he like mm-hmm. hates gay people. You think Krennic, well, he's part of the Empire. Like. Does the Empire hate hate gay people? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that you immigrants think and... Right, like Im- immigrant, like like we've seen some you know groups of people in our own country who are very very, um, you know, want to go back to the like the bad old days, right? And to the way things used to be when it was okay to discriminate against immigrants and stuff, right? Um, right. No, I I I see what you're saying, Liam, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think all sorts of people are all sorts of people, right? All sorts of people can be all sorts of things, mm-hmm, right? I know. In all sorts of ways. So, uh, I don't think belonging to the empire necessarily means that you aren't gay. So, um, definitely yeah, not. Definitely not. It, it just might mean that you're not publicly gay, right? Like you. You would yeah. be a person who like hated gay people. Mm, yeah. Well, which is horrible. Yes. All right. So the Ursos finally get to where they're running to, right? Because they're running through Coruscant, going to this place where they're going to get picked up, and they see Sagarera. <coughs> Has Obit lined it up, right? He told Saw, "Go pick them up here." And Krennic thinks that because Haas is coming back to Coruscant too, Krennic thinks that he's going to be the one picking up the Ursos. He doesn't even know about Saw. So Haas tricks Krennic too, <laughs> which is nice. awesome. So, um, all right. So Saw rescues the Ursos and they fly away from Coruscant. And when they're on the ship, um, and they're looking out the window and Jin and Saw, little Jin, like probably four years old at this point is hanging out with Saw Gerrera. And, uh, and if we could do a dramatic reading of this, I would love it. Uh, Anna, do you want to be Jin and Liam, you want to be Saw? Sure. Jin stared out the front window of Sagarera's spaceship. There were too many lights to count, but she knew that some of them were balls of fire, stars, and that others had houses and buildings, inhabitants, planets. Which one? It's too far away to see, Saw said. But can we go there? If your mom and dad want to. Through hyperspace. He smiled at her. Hyperspace. She corrected herself. Hyperspace. <laughs> Isn't that adorable? That's adorable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so cute. Oh my god. So um so yeah, so Saw help brings them to their new planet, right? And their new planet is called Do you want to know what it's called? Yeah. Lamu. L A H apostrophe M U. And I believe that's where we see them uh in the trailers, I think. So he brings them to this very far away. It's a nice planet um, for now, right? And Galen asks Jin, what do you think? Should this be our home? And Jin says, can Saw come and live with us? <laughs> and, and Galen looks at Saw and smiles and says, Saw is a very busy, busy pilot, but I'm sure he'll visit us, right, Saw? And Saw nods, yes, right? And he says, someone needs to keep an eye on you three. And he looks at Galen and says, I applaud you, Galen. I applaud all of you for taking a stand. You're my heroes. It's people like you who continue to inspire me to play a part in exposing the Empire's machinations. 
He considered for a moment, now looking down at Jin, and then he says, Not everyone understands the sacrifices necessary to stop them. If we don't use every opportunity, every secret, every weapon available to stop them, how can we face our children? How can we hand them a future filled with such injustice? And I just got goosebumps on my arms <laughs> reading that, because that that's a heck of a question. And, uh, and then Saw turns to Lyra and gives her this card and says, In the meantime, take this comm card. It will allow you to contact me if you ever need my assistance. So, I think we're going to... I don't know. In the force? No, I don't think so. So that was kind of, that's kind of the end of the book. So that's where we're at. And that's where we are at at the beginning of Rogue One, I believe. Like, is it like Jin's life a little bit? And that it goes forward and have a lot or something. I think that's what we're gonna see. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, we see a little bit, a little Jim, and then Jin, and bam. Daddy. What if we see all those small parts that we saw of little Jin? Mm-hmm. And then we see that part where she's in the prison cell. Yeah. And that's how it starts. And then we're like, "What the heck is happening?" Hmm. That's not going to happen, but it would yes, be cool it if it did. That would be pretty awesome. The one more thing. So, you know, uh, there is the boardroom scene. So we're going to watch the very beginning of A New Hope uh, with the, the Empire stuff, right? When they're all st- sitting around the table when Vader chokes Mahdi, right? When Vader chokes him and stuff. There is, if you look closely at that scene, there is a chair around that table that is empty. No one is sitting in it. <laughs> Do you think that's Krennic's empty seat because he's no longer with us? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so, but Krennic is thinking, and he that's actually. Dead. So, in in the book, there's one part I forgot to mention. Um, so it says, at times, Krennic could almost forget that he was constructing an exceptional weapon, for it seemed more the case that he was creating a world he would one day govern. A world of his own, replete with a power to rival that of the Emperor and Darth Vader, that of the Imperial Navy itself. So he's like, I'm creating this ultimate power, the ultimate power in the universe, right? <laughs> so I'm, I wonder if him and Mahdi were friends. <laughs> it's the ultimate power. Who's Mahdi again? He's the one who tells Vader that that the Force is nothing compared to this ba- the power of this battle station. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then he gets force choked, right? And then he gets force choked, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he gets force mm-hmm. Release him, yeah. So, <laughs> stop. All right, so who wants to sing the random canon news from Catalyst song? All right, both of you. The random canon news from Catalyst song, yeah. The random canon news song, yeah, yeah. The random. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Okay, so, I can do a better one. <laughs> no, it's fine. So, no, we're good. We're good. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Oh, yeah. We got it. So uh <laughs> that's good. It's quick and dirty. I like it. So um so there's there's some random things that were kind of in the story that I just wanted to pull out that weren't necessarily like part of the plot, but I think might they're just really cool. So there's part of the book that says Kyber crystals were rumored to adorn the Jedi's isolated temples. Perhaps the last Kyber needed for the Death Star, and this is my theory, is on a Jedi temple on Jeddah, and that's why the Empire comes to Jeddah to steal that last Kyber crystal they need. Blow it up. Maybe they steal the crystal and blow it up. 
Or maybe they know that crystals can take fire, so they mm, blow it up. That's true. And then it's floating around in space, and you know, someone goes out and gets it. That is true. This book talks about how you can put an immense power amount of energy into this crystal, and the crystal will not explode, which makes me think... Like it that, can never explode? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Which makes me think when in that Rebels episode in season one, when uh, Ezra is undercover at the Imperial Academy... And he gives Kanan and Hera the location of this shipment of a kyber crystal, right? Yeah. And they go blow it up. Maybe the kyber crystal survived. Maybe they didn't actually blow up that crystal. But maybe they're like in tiny dust. Mm, maybe particles. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I guess know. everything that you blow up in is in tiny dust particles. Mm. But the crystal itself wouldn't be, I think. Maybe. So. Another interesting thing that I just think is interesting. Uh, interesting thing is interesting. Uh, Galen is told by a person on Vault that it's her understanding that, quote, the human women of Coruscant no longer carry or deliver their own progeny, their own babies, that they hire others to do that for, uh, for them. Hmm. That is at least, interesting. At least the wealthy do, right? Like wealthy, the, the women, the people who live in, in the skyscrapers on Coruscant, you know, they, they don't carry their own babies. They have surrogates do it for them. It's interesting. Well, what's the point of having a baby if you don't even take care of it? Oh, no, no. Um, I mean, they're not pregnant with the oh. baby. Once the baby's born, then yes, okay. they take care that of the baby. That makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, a part of the book talks about how Lyra travels. She's traveled all over. It says, by the time she was 29, she had visited five of the 50 wonders of the core, six of the 30 wonders of the mid-rim, and 12 of the 25 wonders of the outer rim. So it's kind of cool. Like we have like the seven wonders of, of the world, right? Or the seven ancient wonders of the world. Like we, we talk about these historical places, these ancient civilization places on earth. And it's kind of cool to know that in Star Wars, in the Star Wars galaxy, there's, there's these ancient wonders of the different areas in, in the galaxy. Like it's kind of funny. So, um, so they talk about the Western reaches quite a bit in this book. Actually, it's mentioned quite a few times and that's where Jakku is. Remember? So, it turns out that in the western regions, in the western reaches, battles between Imperials and leftover Separatists are being fought for at least a year after the Clone Wars ends. Hey, and, and some of those campaigns against the Separatists are led by Tarkin in the, outer, in the western reaches. Here's another random canon news. True Kybers are only found in veins of pure Kyberite. Who knew? Galen Urso carries a finger-sized kyber with him wherever he goes. Hmm. May have seen that in the trailer. The young Jin Urso... We see... You guys need to watch that trailer again. Jin's necklace, remember? <laughs> right. Well, I think it's Lyra's necklace that she gives to Jin, yeah. Right. And she says, always trust in the Force, she says, right? Or, this is yours. Contact me. Contact Saw, yeah. <laughs> The young Jin Erso watched a TV show, of course they don't call it that, a holodrama or whatever, called The Octave Stairway. I just think that's funny, I don't even know what that is. They actually explain the show a little bit, I can't remember what it is, but I just think it's funny that she watched a TV show. Yes. And on, on funny. It makes it seem like Star Wars isn't so different than we are. You know, um, James Lucino, the author, author of this book, does a really good job of that. Um, kind of making it feel like it's like still the Star playground? Wars world. Right. It's still Star Wars, but of course there's going to be playgrounds. Why wouldn't there be? You know, it's not because it's, you know, it, it those things exist because their children exist, you know? Right. 
Dexter Dex. 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 Dexter Restaurants, yeah, Dex's Diner. There you go. So, a toilet exists. Everybody poops. I mean, in during the course of this book, Krennic probably poops hundreds of times. Right? Dude, this is a joke. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Kids love poop. Oh, yeah. I guess I say it all the time. That's what I said. All right. Poopy, poopy, poopy. Oh, poopy. no. Sorry. <laughs> So, one more bit of random canon news that I think is really interesting is that the Empire on Coruscant has All Species Week, where they celebrate all species on Coruscant. The all Empire species does. Empire? The, em- the Empire does. So why all do you- Species Week. So you know what a species week. is. There's a week? Where they celebrate all the species, yep. So what do you think? Why do you think the Empire would have All Species Week? Anna? To make it seem like they aren't all bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's what I was One thinking. week out of the year, you can have all species week, and, and the rest of the weeks, you know, you're going to treat anyone who's not human pretty rotten. Um, Very I mean, rotten. We've, we've talked about that in, in the past. In Life Debt, uh, in Aftermath Life Debt, it says that the Empire is human. Like, human is the, pri- the, human is the primary m- mover of the Empire. And aliens are treated as second-class citizens, not as good as humans, right? There's a lot of wow, human. There's a lot of human mean. privilege. There's human privilege. That's what some in the Star Wars universe. People do with animals and right. Humans. Well, I think, sure, but I think uh, I think the more um, the the better metaphor is 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 that's what a lot of white people think. There's white privilege, right? So humans are the white people of Star Wars. I mean, that's just that is. That is what it is, right? In Star Wars, humans are what white people are in our world, right? They historically have had the privilege and the power and um, have treated people who aren't humans in Star Wars have treated them poorly. So I realize this has kind of been like like a, you know, me talking most of the time, but really there was a lot to get through and we got through it and I think it was pretty good. I'm pretty happy with how this turned out. I put a quite a bit of work into getting all this together, and I really hope that you, as listeners, I almost lost it. I almost lost it. <laughs> I almost lost it. Whew. But I didn't. I didn't. Um, but but I hope I hope you as listeners appreciate it. Um, I like that they release books like this, but I also wish that um, there was a way to put all this information in the movie, right? But you know, the movie's got to have a focus, right? And they can't give you all this backstory so so i hope that we you know filled in a little bit for you and if you have any more questions just contact us you know uh, send us a message or just write on our facebook wall or on twitter or send us an email i'll email you back whatever um if you want to know anything else about this book that we didn't cover i would love to hear it um and i would be more than happy to get back to you on it and i'll try to do that right away liam uh did you want to do a quick question and answer council yeah. All right, well, let's head on over to the question. This is a long episode already, but we're going to do it. Let's head on over to the question and answer council. The question and answer council, where we ask questions and answer them. It's the question and answer council. It's the question and answer council. Cancel! What do you think your coolest looking species is? 
the coolest looking species in Star Wars. Okay, that is hard. That is really hard. Um, when you say species, do you mean uh, sentient species, or are you including uh, monsters and creatures? Creatures, and monsters. creatures and monsters included. Oh, they don't even have to be in the movies. Oh, okay. Like just anyone that's not human. What's your favorite out of those? What's Zillow the coolest Beast. looking? I'm going with the Zillow Beast. I literally have no idea. There's too much. There's a lot. Yeah. How about you, Liam? I would say. Oh, but I like Twi'lex. Twi'lex? Yeah. I like Twi'lex. Yeah. Cool. I would say probably. Let's see. You think the Zillow? I want. I want to know what the what you think looks the coolest. I think. I don't know. Yeah, I I do like how the Zillow Beast looks. So. Rancor. I'm a big fan probably. of the Rancor too. I was gonna say the Rancor is my second choice. I do love the Rancor. I don't really know which one looks the coolest. The Zillow Beast looks pretty cool. Yeah. But. I think the Twi'leks are my favorite. Twi'leks, yeah. They're pretty awesome. They um, are very awesome. My third choice would be the Harampa. What the heck is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my second choice would be the Harampa. That's a cross between Hulk, Rancor, and Wampa. Oh, really? <laughs> I will. Pay, post it on the page. Should I put it on the website? I'll post yeah. an image. I asked, I asked years Dad, ago, many years, years ago. ago. I asked, Daddy, what would Hulk the Rancor and the Wampa look like. It would be called the Harampa. So can you make it? And then he said I could make it on Photoshop. Photoshop. Yeah. And then I'm like, yay. <laughs> so I did. Oh, no, 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 no. After you clean the joys. Yippee. <laughs> right. We'll do it after I clean Yippee. the joys. Mm-hmm. All right. Anna, you have a question for question and answer, Council? Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure I can think of some, but this episode's getting rather long, so I need to cut it off there and uh, say thank you so much thank for listening you. to episode 53 of uh, Children, Children of the, the Force. Force. As always, thank you to those who support us over on patreon.com slash children of the Force. Special shout out to Amy Wishman Nalen. Yeah. Rock. Yay. Amy's, awesome. Amy's Amy. daughter, too. Hello. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, too. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. If you would like to reach out to us online, you can contact us via Twitter. At First Children. On Facebook, we are. Children of the Falls. Our email addresses. Children at gmail.com. Our website is. Uh, com. Oh, yeah. And oh, the, oh, yeah, isn't part of it. Oh, yeah. Not slash oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should make a website where it's childrenforce.com backslash oh, yeah. <laughs> Just be a photo of you saying oh, yeah. Anyway, head on over to speakpipe.com slash children of the force and leave us a voicemail. Uh, this will be our last episode before Rogue One. Uh, but leave us a voicemail and let, you know what you, let us know what you thought of Rogue One. Uh, kids out there, we'd love to hear your reaction to rogue one we want to hear it we want a voicemail if you don't want to send us a voicemail send us a, a, an email if you want that's fine if you want to record it and then send us a file you can send that to our uh, gmail account anna how long is it till rogue one uh well it's the fifth today and we're going on the 15th so 10 days what 
10 days. 10 days as of today. Yes, yep, yep, very, very exciting, I'm very cry. exciting. I'm cry. Oh, no, I'm no, cry. no, no, let's not cry. Wait until after we're done recording, then you can cry. Okay, we'll all cry together. Okay. All right, finally, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else you listen to us. Again, uh, can I thank you again, Amy, for doing that? That was awesome. Uh, I would love it if everybody else did too. That'd be so great because it'll make it easier for more people to find us and it lets us know what what you think of the show and that would be awesome so because you're awesome do an awesome thing daddy i can't hold back my happiness oh my gosh okay well for children children of the force i'm al and Oh my god. <laughs>